Uh, thank you for joining us again for episode six of a damn podcast. Uh, we are uh, broadcasting from Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, this is episode six. Episode six. I am Adam Sherlock. I'm Adam Poulter. And this week we are doing gang movies. We're doing three movies, uh, The Outsiders, The Warriors, and Boys in the Hood. And then we'll be reviewing the new Let's Become Actors CD. And we'll pu- probably play songs throughout um, to kind of show you what they sound like oh, we before will. we talk about it. We so. totally will. I'm excited. I am too. So you want to clarify in the gang, not gangster? Not gangster, gang. So That's gangs. Right. So, you know, like we said, outsiders, you have the greasers. Uh, the Warriors, you have about 75 gangs. Yeah. Uh, and then Boys in the Hood, I, I don't know if they actually have, I guess they're just Crenshaw. Yeah, they don't really belong to a certain gang. Yeah, they're so. just they're the Crenshaw something. I don't know what they're But it is a gang movie, it. I think. I would say definitely. I'm sure we will get into yes. that. Okay, so let's go ahead and start. we got a lot to go through. Um, let's start with The Outsiders. Okay. Do you want to give a brief synopsis of The Outsiders really yes, quick? Yes, I can do that. Uh, you know, I've seen it a hundred times. Yeah. Oh, and really quickly, I just want to say we don't do spoilers, so if you haven't seen these three movies, you really should. Um, but, yeah, anyway, sorry. Just okay. Just want to get that out of the way. So, uh, this is your classic, classic gang movie. Yes. Um, made in 1983, well, that's when it was released anyway, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. This Based was, on the book by Essie Hinton, who's actually a, in the movie. Uh, uh, yeah, she's in the movie. She's in the movie. And how old was she when she wrote it? She was like a I teenager, I, I was, think. I was kind of surprised that both this and Rumblefish were uh, written by a woman. Yeah, that and that's amazing. why she used the name S. E. Hinton because she couldn't get it published because she was this young girl. Yeah, and her uh, editor finally said, "You know, you need to just use initials so that nobody knows because nobody awesome. would even read it." Oh, that made me so much more stoked about her. But uh, uh, this is after Apocalypse Now and Godfather for Francis Ford Coppola. So mm-hmm. um, basically, it's uh, your classic story. Uh, you know, it's the greasers versus the socias. And, uh, you know, you're rich versus poor, north right. versus south kind of right. deal. And it's basically more about the greasers um, and just... Oh, a good call on the north versus south thing because, uh, you know, that was a TV movie about the Civil War with yes. Patrick Swayze. But he does say, does the sunset on the... Can you see the sunset on the south side? He's like, That's you right. can also see it on, on the north. So I thought you were being I wasn't... Clever. There's no civil... <laughs> It's okay. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. So uh, that yeah. So there's the classic uh, battle between the Socias and the Greasers. Um, two uh, two of the Greasers, played by C. Thomas Howell and uh, Ralph Danielson. Macchio. Yeah, yeah. Ralph Macchio. Karate Kid. Um, yep. They they end up uh, befriending two of the Soch girls, which in turn uh, makes the Soch guys come after them. Uh, in a sort of late night in the park, drunken, drunken kind of brawl, uh, where uh, Johnny, mm-hmm. uh, Ralph Macchio's character, stabs one of the socials and kills him. So they're on the run. Um, they go to Matt Dillon's character, uh, Dally. Dally. Dally, yeah. uh, who gives him some money, tells him about this abandoned church that they need to go and stay in to lay low. Um, while they're there, they cut their hair, and, and uh, Pony Boy bleaches his hair, and... They end up going to lunch with Dally. They're there. They're there for four days. They end up going to lunch with Dally. When they come back, the church is on fire. Pony Boy and Johnny run inside to save all the kids, and Johnny gets the roof. The roof collapses on Johnny. And they basically turn themselves in. After that, there's the whole uh, brawl between the 
the classic rumble at the end between the yep. socials and the uh, and the uh, greasers, and that's basically what what it's about. Um, would you be a greaser or social? What do you think? I think I am pretty sure I'd be a greaser. <laughs> me too. Yeah. <laughs> Not to and can I just say really quick? Me and Abby are watching this, and you know she was like. The Soshas are some ugly guys, they and are. almost every single one of the greasers are, are hot. really hot. Uh-huh. <laughs> because okay, so you've got, you've got uh, now you've got you got Ralph Macchio and C. Thomas Hell, but then you have Emilio Estevez, who it, it plays probably the awesome. best young Mike Snyder I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. Um, you've got uh, who played t- who's two bit? That's two his bit, character. Yeah. Rob Lowe as Soda Pop, Matt Dillon as Dally. Patrick Swayze as uh, Derry. Uh-huh. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise as, uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I can't either. I like that he has chocolate cake all over his face <laughs> for most of the scenes that he's in, though. That's pretty great. But, uh, you know, and one thing I, I wanted to say before I forgot, when they go uh, to the party that Dally's at so they can talk to him. Tom Waits. Tom Waits answers yeah. the fucking door. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. That's all, amazing. I remember seeing him in the credits at the beginning going oh i gotta look for tom waits and, and he's right and yeah. it's, he's right there it's you don't even need to look for me yeah it was i love that there's definitely a lot of like hard-hitting actors that turned out to be really diane lane be, yeah she's in it yeah as cherry cherry valance uh, she looks hot too she looks really <laughs> hot she looks smoking hot not that she doesn't now but but yeah. uh, a lot of people that ended up doing you know getting really big yeah so um but you know and they were all and just watching this again, um, they're they just all look super young in there. Yeah, it's really, it's yeah. Cool that and it's a it's a classic movie. Total classic. I mean, it you know uh, once again, I think we're reiterating a lot of a lot of points about it that anybody who's seen it already knows. There's the stay golden pony boy, the letter at the end, and the yeah. you know uh, nothing gold can ever stay. The Robert the Frost poem and. Yep. All these different elements, but you know, I I have to say that you know, for when it was made, thinking about how how well they did it without trying to, because you know, just so many even period movies in the eighties are ruined by it, the fact that it was the eighties. Totally, yeah. you know, they still try and like jazz it up somehow with like a modern shots, really. music, modern music or something yeah. weird like that. But everything about this feels like that period piece that, that it's supposed to be. That's one thing I've written down is that he captured the 50s or 60s. They don't really say it's right around that area. Yeah, though. I think it's probably the 50s. Yeah. yeah. But they, he captures it amazing and um they don't like you said they don't really throw any cheap shots and no. and um one thing um you know when we watch when I rewatch these for the podcast and look for different things it, and I've seen this a 100 times and um, watching it again, there is still stuff I like I didn't notice before. Like um, the way it's shot is incredible. Like there is really some yeah. great shots. One of my favorite shots is right before the rumble, and he does this big pan shot of all the greasers, and it's this big long yeah, shot. And yeah, it shows yeah, yeah. And I lo- it was a great shot, and it just it's set up really nice. And I mean, he's always you know great at doing stuff like that. But I really noticed it. One um, another thing I noticed too was um, the rumble at the end. Right when they start fighting, it starts raining. And yeah. right when it ends, it stops, it stops raining. raining. And the fire is still going. There's got to be like, something even the, in there. That but... bonfire in the park is still going, even though, like, minutes before it's raining, like, it's the Amazon. Yep. Yeah. But it makes it so much cooler. And it's something that blended in before that I never really, like, noticed. But they got to be muddy and Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, so. and it's, it's a pretty... Uh, 
that was something else too considering uh, who the movie was kind of geared for which was kids you know the and and that so much of the rest of the movie is sort of like there's definitely moments where you go oh that was supposed to be tough and it's just not now yeah. and it's not because the movie takes place in the 1950s it's the fact the movie takes place in the or the movie was filmed in the 1980s and it was geared towards like young adults or kids mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of stuff in it where you're like oh yeah it's real tough you know yeah, but, but then, then there's then... other stuff in it like like the rumble where the, the even the violence in that is 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 pretty gnarly in a couple of a couple of scenes like yeah, there's some sure. there's some hits in there that are like wow you know and well i remember watching this my mom showed me this movie when i was probably i i'm not a, i don't remember exactly how old i was but i just remember being so excited even as a you know, a teenager just mm-hmm. like, wow, this is the coolest movie. I can relate to these guys, and you know, oh, and definitely. Pony Boy isn't. I mean, he isn't really greaser. He's just like a sweet, you know, sweet kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, he isn't, and then you know, they even talk about Derry in it too. Like the only thing that keeps Derry from yep. being a social is us. You know he's that, us, right? Yeah. And, he's and like, then the guy he fights, he used to play football with. You know, like exactly. Yeah. And may I just say. I'm going. I'm going to. My heterosexuality is going to falter for half a second here. But Patrick, damn, there's a part where he's putting on his shirt and he has he has like he he has a topographical map of muscles down his side. Like I was. Oh my lord. Something else. You you know after that you you see you see some of his later movies and you forget like yeah he was ripped he definitely oh, was ripped man so sorry about that got a little the, the uh, well you know and Pony Boy just really wants to belong and I think his relationship with Johnny they're kind of similar in that way you know they're obviously best friends real friends you know and yeah. they kind of do anything for each other and die for each well, other. Well, there's a sweetness there. between the two of them that reminds me of sort of the relationship that. Uh, um, Will, we have. Yeah, that we have. <laughs> no, that Will Wheaton's character and uh, River Phoenix's character have in Stand By Me. Yeah, totally. And I'm actually going to mention Stand By Me again in a minute. But let's move on. So that's so that's uh, uh, The Outsiders. We're going to come back to uh, these movies in the second half and talk about the relation between these th- three movies uh, that they have with one another or in some instances that they don't have at all. And... and uh, So anyway, we're going to now move from the 1950s to the late 1970s with The Warriors. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I have to... Okay, so first of all, this is is going to be the quickest quickest movie synopsis we've ever done. Uh, The Warriors are a gang based in Coney Island. They have to go to... Are they in Brooklyn? Is that where they go to? I can't remember. It's the big meeting, though. They go to the big meeting. I think it's in Brooklyn, uh, which is way outside their turf. To hear from the gang overlord Cyrus, Cyrus, who has this idea that all the gangs can combine and they can take over New York City. Uh, while they're there, a member of uh, a member of the gang, uh, the uh, what are they the called? Rogues. The Rogues. Thank you. The Rogues. A member of the Rogues assassinates Cyrus. Once this happens, total melee breaks out. People are fighting and screaming and, get blamed. and the warriors get blamed the cops are there everybody takes off the warriors get blamed but at this point they still don't know that they have been blamed the only thing they're worried about is the truce is off the truce that had been called that basically said you can come to the big meeting with cyrus nobody's gonna fuck with you even though you're outside of your territory is off and they're like how are we gonna get home and the rest of the movie is them trying to get home finding out along the way everybody thinks we're the people who killed cyrus we have to fight our way out of this now i, I 
I want to Go talk ahead. real quick about um, the Cyrus character. When he was making that speech and oh. talking about unity and everything, yeah. all I could think of was Martin Luther King. <laughs> well, but it's, it's, like, it's like a because, civil rights thing. Well, because it does have that undertone, but then the cool thing is, is that, and I was waiting that entire time for them to, because of when the movie was filmed and just the low budget aspect of it, waiting for it to get cheesy. But when he's saying, can you dig it? Yeah. And they're all like <laughs> chanting along with him. It was still really cool. Totally. Like, I mean, it was super cheesy, but it was really cool. And that's one thing I wanted to say about this movie is that this movie has a lot of problems. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to say that right off the bat, but for it being low budget, for it having all of these problems, the weird concept of these different gangs and they wear these different outfits yeah, the uniforms and that there's, and that, yeah, they all have these similar uniforms and that they're all like, like you don't see any normal people in the movie. There's basically yeah. cops and gangs yep. and it, it makes sense that rockstar games made this movie into a video game two years ago. Yeah, I read that because it's, it is a video game. You watch it and it looks like it was a video game totally. and they made it into a movie and it's the other way around. But it's a weird concept that could have been really stupid. Like really, really, you know, like Starlight, Starlight Express stupid. It could have been <laughs> really a piece of shit. And instead, it's interesting enough and there's enough going on that even though you may not be moved the way that you would in a, in a real serious piece of, of filmmaking. It's you're interested. You're interested to watch everything and, and see stuff through. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what like you mentioned before the, the uniforms, I love that whole part of it, how everyone had their specific uniforms. Oh yeah. Um, they had the, the orphans, the baseball furies, the Lizzie's, the girls and the mm -hmm. punks. And it was just, uh, the, the it was riffs, great. It was the skins. But I looked on IMDb and it showed the list of gangs that were actually in the script. And uh -huh. there was like over 50. I believe were that. in there. And there's, yeah. they list them all. And it's like, it's a huge amount. I love the Dexy, Dexy's Midnight Runner looking guys in the overalls with the striped shirts that get their asses kicked in the, yep. in the men's room. That's the punk guys or whatever. Yeah. They're the cult punks. The, uh, my favorite was the Baseball Fury guys. Uh, the, oh, they were the best. Well, and... I read because uh, it talks. Uh, they, the director has a huge uh, obsession with baseball and the band Kiss, and that's uh -huh. that's why they were. That's created. why they were like that. <laughs> oh, great! That's so, great. My favorite aspect of the whole movie, though, easily was the whole comic book intro and just how they went from scene to scene through the comic book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I thought that was great, especially for the time and. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks great. It was a great way to move the story forward, and I was just way into that. Well, and and you know, a cup, and I don't know. <clears throat> I'll I'll say it right now. My internet's down, so I was going to go through and actually list these actors' names. But, uh, there really isn't too many member people. The guy, the, there's one guy, and I can't believe I'm mentioning this movie sec twice now. J who's that? He is the guy who gets caught by the cops and the girl in the park, who is Mercedes Rule. Yeah, Mercedes Rule. Yeah, from Fisher King. Those are King. the two only now, I was gonna, that I recognize. Okay, uh, not that this is a big deal. The the one guy, the guy who shoots Cyrus, the warriors come out and play. Oh, that guy. That guy plays the bad guy in Dreamscape. Oh. I'm now second. Uh, that's the second time I've that's mentioned right. that movie. You know, and I thought about it. I think I might have seen that movie, but I See, need to watch it again. Yeah, so. I'll I'll lend it to you, and you'll be like, oh right, Dreamscape. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the guy who played Windows from John Carpenter's The Thing is oh. his buddy. The, the the cop throws him in front of the fucking train. 
Oh, yeah, I, there's right. a couple of moments in this movie. I just gotta fucking get it out of the way because first of all, I'm like, no, he died. A guy fucking died, and we get to the end of the movie without anybody ever being like, so what happened to Jimmy? Like nobody, he no, died. He's, he's dead. They don't say yeah, anything. He got ran over by a train. That, and then secondly, why are we supposed to? Who'd you say the guy was that got caught by Mercedes rule? Uh, James name? Remar. Why are we supposed to care that James Remar tried to rape a girl and gets arrested and they're, they're like, oh, dude, Well, no he's a way. dick anyway, too. No, I know, but it's still, it's like you're on the run from maybe like 50 other gangs and you want to take out time to maybe rape a girl. Like, that's just insane to me. Like, that whole section of the movie, I was like, I know there's supposed to be gangs, well, gang members. Well, we never see him again either, which is, yeah. you know. Well, like, and now I know that there's supposed to be like gang members or whatever and they're supposed to be tough, but if they're the heroes of the movie... Don't have, like, the lead warrior tell the, uh, whatever, the romantic lead, the girl, uh, uh, maybe we should run a train on you. You look like you could take it. It was just like, what? This is who we're rooting for? We don't want to see him get beat up? <laughs> that was a weird break, for sure. <laughs> that was really strange. Like, what the fuck was that? But those two, Mercedes Rule and him, were the only ones that I recognized, and I'm like, oh, I've seen them before, but they're like the... Other than Mercedes Rule, like, he's kind of the guy who's, like, done a million TV shows and, like, you know, this guy in the background, they're like, oh, I've seen him, but I have no idea who he right, is. Right, right, right. You know? So there really wasn't that many people. And looking through... No, not really. Looking through, like, the people that were in the movie and there really isn't... They haven't done... I mean, a lot of it's just random TV show appearances. No one's really done anything other than, yeah. like... The director's other movies like Forty Eight Hours and yeah, Red yeah, Heat yeah. and stuff like right, that. Right, but so. you have to think like I mean, this is probably a pretty early movie for him, right? Like if it was not one of the his first, first yeah. Sure. So it's like that part makes sense, but like yeah, there's just I mean, there's so much cheese, man. There, I mean, it's fucking awesome. I loved Don't get it, me though. wrong, I loved it. I loved <laughs> it. I mean, the fight scenes in it were impressive, actually. Like there were some pretty good fight scenes in it. Like it didn't seem. Like, when you first turn it on, you're like, oh, boy. Like, because I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. And yeah, it's I, like, can't, I hadn't seen wow, it Wow, this is low budget. But then you see some of the fight scenes, and you're like, this is pretty cool, man. Like, these these kids were taking it really seriously. Like, I, w- I was into it most of the time. You know? you know, I didn't really notice the cheesy stuff that much. I was just, you know, kind of... Oh, come on, he gives her the, the corsage. I just hate, I hate to see things go to waste. <laughs> yeah. It's cheesy, <laughs> And man. then, like... Ten minutes before that, he's like, why don't you just strap a mattress on your back? Yeah, totally, yeah. It's like ten minutes before that. It's like, that's a quick romance. That girl bugged the shit out of me. Oh, oh, and she had the... Terrible She had some of the most uh, uh, disturbing movie breasts I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. she was nipping the whole time. Oh, God. No bra needed. And it, well, and just that, yeah, and it is that seven, it's like that... It's like the, all that jazz, like, it's like that kind of a shirt, or it's like... Oh, I don't know. Well, if you look at the gang she like was associated with before the them, the orphans, they're pretty rough. Those are dudes, some busted <laughs> looking dudes for sure. Um, one, oh, oh, oh sorry. sorry, no, no, no. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. one of one of the things I wanted to talk about that I thought was really cool incorporation that was kind of a little thi- side thing, kind of like the comic book thing was. The radio show, how the, their whereabouts are kind of reported over the radio with music. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the, the DJ, the lady. Yeah, like, she's like, you know, they've gotten this far, and this is where they're at. If yeah, and it is, once again, kind of like a video game. Like yeah. this, like, yeah, and, and then playing cool. the songs for them and all this. And... All right, oh, so that anyway, cool. that's The Warriors. Now let's move on to Boys in the Hood. Um, do you want to go ahead and give a quick synopsis, Boys in the Hood? Uh, yeah, I mean, Boys in the Hood, you know, it's uh, John Singleton. Um directed it back in 91 is what i have and the um it's basically um what the hell is 
Cuba Gooding Jr. I guess his what's his name in the movie? I, I, it's totally um, escaping uh, me right now. Uh, Trey. 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 Trey Styles. Trey Styles. And, and his that, dad's name's Furious Styles. The coolest name. Why ever. has there not been a band called Furious Styles? <laughs> Get on it, people. Um, but basically, it starts out with him as a kid in uh, in South Central, and uh, he lives with his mom, and he. Uh, you know, fights some kid in school and ends up having to go and live with his dad to become a man. And um, it's basically him living with his dad for a little while. And then there's like a seven-year break where um, it goes back to them when they're older. To him and all of his friends. All of his friends uh, who turn out to be Ice Cube is the other one. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. So a few other people that I, I don't really know who they are. But his childhood friends, basically. And uh, it's basically about them growing up in, you know, in a shitty neighborhood. And and, and I have California. to say, you know, I saw this several times when I was younger. But I think that the... I feel shitty saying this. I think that the, the uh, differential between how many times I saw Boys in the Hood when I was younger versus how many times I saw Don't Be a Menace While Drinking Your Gin and Juice in the Hood... <laughs> the 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 latter far surpasses the former and so watching boys in the hood again i was surprised a by what a great movie it was and b that i kind of got parts of the two movies confused with one another <laughs> like i thought that the whole where, where he's telling uh, his dad lawrence fishburne about like how he you know how he almost had sex with or that how he had sex with this girl and she was like can you drive stick and all yeah. that i think i thought that that was in because it's funny. It's really it's a really funny little interlude yeah. and I thought that was in just the don't the, the don't be don't be a menace movie. You know, I thought it was just in that. I didn't realize. And so, but anyway, you know, I have to say I I I was I was actually pretty blown away with how good this is coming back to it. I think so often you get, you know, these movies that try to latch on to something that's been captured by the imagination of popular media, right? So you have like the skateboard movie and the rollerblade movie and you have like yeah. the heavy metal band movie and the rap movie. And so this, you know, I think is locked in a lot of people's brains as the gangster movie, right? Like the sure. South central movie. Cause that, you know, during the, the late eighties, early nineties, that was on the cover of Newsweek. It was this big thing. It was like, people are murdered. They're just walking down the street. So you assume that this is that movie. But it is such a fucking good movie on oh, its, its own great. merit. Yeah. I mean, it's filmed really well. Lawrence Fishburne, he's great. His performance in this is phenomenal, and he's the only actor really too that didn't really go down the tubes in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Does this movie have a curse like Poltergeist <laughs> and The Exorcist, like Ice Cube and Bo and Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh. doing like shitty kids? But it's so shitty too because like you see Ice Cube in this and you're thinking to yourself, and now you're doing like, are we there yet? Are we done yet? Are we are we fucking whatever? The, yet? Like, the only other thing I really thought Ice Cube was awesome, and it's basically his portrayal of Doughboy in college is another John Singleton movie is Higher Learning. Have you ever seen oh, that? Oh yeah, he's Higher actually, Learning. He's awesome in that. And, he is actually good. And in uh, that, yeah, and uh, John Singleton actually directed it. But uh, that John Singleton, I looked at his list and I wasn't really stoked about any of it. He did like really? Too Fast, Too Furious. He did that Four Brothers movie, which oh my god! Like he had, he had. This was I was this wondering, was especially after watching this, yeah. what else? Because like that great, uh, it's like a, it's like a five or ten second uh, 
uh, clothespin, first thing that you see of the stop sign. That that was one thing I have written down. Is that that's was how the movie so starts. Great. You know, and yeah. it's Obviously, a very obvious symbol of what he wants to get across. Exactly. You know, right at the beginning, it's the very first. But shot it's of the movie. so cool, but man. You great. just don't see yeah. you don't see movies being manipulated in that way where somebody's showing you something showing that you intense. not telling you kind of yeah thing. and this it is, reminded me of something oh uh, who's the guy that did uh dancer in the dark oh well large von Trier. it reminded me of like that kind of because he he does that where it's he, he's like it's my fucking movie and here's my message bitch like yep. it's right here in front of you and i but it's so cool you know and there's these really uh inspirational scenes you know after watching so many movies that have so much fucking exposition of like here's what's going on Here's here's what's gonna happen in five minutes, and and these two guys, have, you know, this guy and this girl have been in a relationship for a while, all that kind of crap. You know, he was able to explain more about a father and son relationship in a two minute scene where he cuts his hair. Yep. Then I mean, it says everything about their relationship, well, and it's so fucking cool, man, because what? you just think like. Other guys are falling over themselves trying to explain all these things about like well, he likes his dad, but his dad kind of gives him a hard time, and da, 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 da. yeah, and he's just like, hey, can you give me this haircut? And I'm watching, I'm like this is so sweet. This is such a a beautiful moment, you know. To reiterate on that, there's a great scene when he's younger and they're fishing, and he's talking about, do you know what about sex? Yeah, yeah. And, and he says this great line. He's like, any any asshole with a dick can have a baby, but yeah. it takes a man to raise a raise a child. Yeah, and I was just like, that's. I mean. It, Two sentences. He describes, you know, what he's about and how he is. Exactly. He, he's definitely, I think, along with Ice Cube. I think Ice Cube's great. Is are the yeah. shining, shining. Well, people and even, and even there, there's so many great uh, parts in the writing too. You know, with Lor- between Lawrence Fishburne and Angela Bassett when, uh, when it's the yeah. seven years later. That's great. And they're at the, the restaurant. They're at the restaurant. And they're yeah. arguing, and it seems like it's getting really heated. You know, and she basically says to him, "You know, you're you're not right." And then she says, you're cute, but you're not right. Yeah. And he kind of gets that little grin, and you get this idea back again that it's like, these are real people. They're not stereotypes. Well, They're not just playing these big stereotypes of, of, of and you uh, can tell, characters to move the plot along, you know? You could tell why they're together, too, in that scene. You could yeah. tell that, I mean, they're the same kind of person. And mm-hmm. um, There's a chemistry still there after so much time You could tell after apart. her, like, because sta- I mean, she's a strong woman, yeah. just like he's a strong man, that... That he was kind of pussy whipped a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she's giving it to him. She's saying, and he's like, "Don't okay, you okay. think for a second that you did something special? Yep. Because I give you, I give you that you did stay stick around for your son, but you just did the same thing that millions of mothers have been doing for for yeah. thousands and thousands of years." And like, sure. he kind of like looks at his shoe for a minute. You know, it's just great. I mean, there's so many great things about this movie. I, I think that uh, the the scenes in it that are. Uh, um, that are supposed to seem violent and frightening are so violent and so frightening. And they really do. I mean, there is a fear that you, that, that, that you have there. It doesn't seem desensitized and it doesn't seem glorified at all either, which I think is so cool because once again, and I mean, I, and I hope that I'm not sounding like an idiot, but I, I think that I speak for a lot of people when I say this movie was categorized in a certain place in my brain as boys in the hood. And it's, you know, the fucking name of the song is an NWA song, yep. like, and Ice Cube's in it, and, like, it's this movie, and, like, you know, it was in the height of all this stuff in, like, 1991, and watching it again, 
it isn't glorifying anything, and it isn't over-the-top cheesemo, like, the the guy who wasn't in a gang got killed, like, man, oh my god, it's like, you, it is so, it's well, paced so well and so realistic and that it just works. That's what's so weird, I think, too, um, it, with John Singleton's stuff that he did after this, a lot of it is glorified stuff, especially uh, stuff that the African-American community has had, you know, a history of... Yeah. Of having a rap for it, and you know, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. all of it's just like pointless, meaningless violence. Well, like too fast, too furious. Like fuck, what do you like? <laughs> you okay? So you're the guy who did the part where Lawrence Fishburne has the scene where he's talking about like, you know, I don't need, I don't know a single brother that owns a. a, a uh, jumbo jet bringing drugs over into this country, yeah. like, and he does that great scene where he's just like, you know, this gentrification thing's bullshit. We got to stay black owned, and it's such a powerful and amazing scene. You have the old black guy coming over, and then the thugs coming over, yeah. and he still doesn't back down. And no. he's like, he's like, you know, like you, you know, you need to. He's like this black on black crime. Like you need to start using your brain, little brother. Like, and you're just like, wow. And then you think like, and then you did too fast to feel like what the fuck. Well, and, and one that stuck out for me when I watched it, and I was kind of surprised that he made it was the four brothers one with uh marky mark and right um, right right um uh, andre from uh outcast yeah 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 he's yeah. one of the brothers and a lot of it was just like you know I mean, it's cool if you want to make an action movie but a lot of it was just like against everything that he made boys in the hood for kind of right the glorification of, of that and that, just of, kind of, of meaningless violence and, and stupid violence and just like stuff that you know like one of the brothers in the four brothers movie goes and like starts all the shit in the middle of uh, in the middle of a gym in the middle of a basketball game and pulls out a gun and all this stuff and I'm just like you're fitting you're making the stereotype right glorified by doing that and when boys in the hood is so so against that and you know he has well the there's obviously I totally agree and there's obviously this is where I'm mentioning it the second time the stand by me inspiration I mean in very obvious things the four of them walking on the train tracks you guys want to see a dead yeah. body at the very end that's of it that's true uh, I didn't put that together at the very that's end cool. of it uh, Ice Cube as he's walking away uh, disintegrates like you can see yep. through him and then he's gone and that's then it right. talks about what happened to him mm -hmm. I mean that's a, I mean that's wearing it on its sleeve but I, I like, think it's no, wonderful I like because that. I think it's taking that idyllic lifestyle of, of the Stephen King story, you know, of the nineteen the nineteen fifties and this whole idea putting of in a that, black neighborhood. And putting it, you know, saying, Okay, now that's now. Yeah. And look at what these kids are having to grow up with. Like what the fuck do you think is gonna happen? I thought that was amazing. You know, the little moments, the little kids crayon drawing of an LAPD chopper. <laughs> like just I mean, there's so much detail and it was it was so massive and so well done. So anyway though, so those are the three movies. Uh, we've kind of gone through them that way. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the three movies and how they kind of uh, mesh together in certain ways and where they stand out on their own. Uh, we're going to listen What's to our first song to? from uh, Let's Become Actors. Which we're going to review at the end of the which show. Which we're going to review so at the end attention. of the show. Yes, yes, pay attention. There will be there, there will be a quiz. And the song is called I Know, I Know. We'll be right back. I know you want to love me.
Well, no, I'm not sorry, because it isn't warm. You're a liar. You're a fucking liar. Do you want to taste it? No, I'm good. I got mine. Okay. Thanks, though. Thank you. Hey. Anyway, uh, now we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, our three gang movies. And, uh, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted to say this, uh, first of all, that, that, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is, is uh, with gang movies is because... It seems so often that uh, in in movies and television, uh, the portrayal of a gang always seems to be like, you know, 
<laughs> it's like Walker, Texas Ranger, and there's the gang. You know, there's yeah. the gang in that, and they're all like, typical. Well, and they're like thirty-eight year old. Uh, you know obviously like suburbanite white guys with like a blue bandana tied around their upper arm and they're like oh it's a gang and they're wearing hats backwards and, and young uh, and they've got their music yeah and, and with this i think we picked two movies where the portrayal of these uh of these gangs is pretty realistic as far as the way that they look the way that they interact with one another mm-hmm. um two of them are i would say boys in the hood and the mm-hmm. outsiders definitely are closer uh, to to a, a realistic portrayal of that, and the Warriors is completely fantastical, but really interesting. You know, I mean, for sure, I can see what you're saying. But th- at the same time, I think Outsiders and Warriors have a lot of similarities too, because and this is one thing I wanted to talk about, which I think is major and more just funny than anything. Is okay, the fashion. In this oh thing. yeah, because I mean, there's obvious greasers and socials and how they dress. Same with the gangs and the warriors, because they all dress very similar. But right. the fucking fashion, like early '90s fashion in oh, Boys in the Hood, is man. so bad, dude. Seriously, like if that is honestly, Cuba Gooding's Jr. outfits oh. are the most amazing <laughs> chess king. Well, 1990s, like, mall. And he's, like, the school, the smooth guy. Yeah, he's yeah. He's, like, the pimp. He's the smooth dude in it. And he, <laughs> That like, first scene where he walks into oh, the barbecue and he's got, the big, I had he's a got sh- a big circle, circle on the front. <laughs> now, if you could take the circle off that shirt and put a, a leather bolo tie on it, that was that was my outfit what? in junior high. You wore a bolo tie in yeah. junior high? Yeah. <laughs> It was there was there was like a there was like an eight month period in the in the early nineties where bolo ties were fucking awesome. I, I don't remember that. I know. Well, that's because you're younger than I am. But believe me, there's some people out there that remember. There was like a period if you if you if you went to the mall and you shopped for rayon shirts, <laughs> like rayon button up shirts. At either fucking Chess King or Jeans West, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> terrible clothes. Man. Oh, terrible. Oh, and the girls, the girls' outfits. Oh, yeah. Those mom shorts, <laughs> right? It was like the belt line was right below the breast. Oh, terrible. And then just like, and then they just ballooned out and they had like nine pleats on each side. <laughs> like, fucking amazing. But, you know, and, and that's one thing, too, though. Uh, I have to, I, I have to say that, it, you know, the, the one thing that the Warriors didn't have that our other two g- gang movies did uh, were people involved in the gangs and they're, they're talking about how badly they want to get out of the gang or that how stupid they, they think it is that, that there needs to be these fights in some and these fashion, battles. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I think both of those movies, you know, and obviously both, you know, we have two, we have two heavy hitter movies and then one that's more just like fun kind yeah. of a thing uh you know but but all of them definitely uh seem to have uh the the ideology of like the these the these outfits that we wear are our lives like these are yeah. our colors and these are well and i think the fact that boys in the hood too didn't really associate with a certain gang i mean they're drinking 40s on the porch and shit like that but uh you know well, they like, did wear blue they all wore blue did they? yeah they, and the guy and the guys that they got in a fight red, with they, were, they drove yeah, they a red were, car they were yeah. they were bloods um, they don't necessarily come out and say this is this is the gang we're with or anything like the other movies do. Right. Um, so that's one difference. Yeah. Well, and I think that that is definitely a, a you know especially if you think of something like a, well yeah I mean I guess with something like the Outsiders you know it, it definitely uh, they they 
need to kind of uh, state the obvious that like we're the greasers and these are the socials sure. and we don't like each other and so we're gonna fight and that that's a very that has to be pretty cut and dry, you know. I think a theme throughout the all three movies, though, is you know basically these are all people that want to belong to something, you know. Right. And that usually have defunct families or something like that. And Boys in the Hood is actually the only one that really deals with parents and family and that kind of thing, um, you know. Because I mean, and outsiders, their parents are dead, so they you don't really get that. I mean, they're, I mean, they're family with, on their do, own. You do with Ralph Macchio's family a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I guess where, that's where true. He, you know, yeah. and even when he's in the hospital, he doesn't want his mom to come in and see him. You know, because she upsets him so much. And so, but, I mean, the the fact that uh, you know Ice Cube's brother, one of the guy who gets killed at the end. Mm-hmm. What's his name? I can't remember the football player guy who no, the I, only aspiration Ricky. in the family. Ricky. Yeah. Ricky. Um, the, you know, and of course, at the end, I just got to say, this, of course, he passes his SATs. Yeah, yeah no, and I like after that. He's yeah. Dead. After yeah. he's dead, set up the pins and then roll the ball. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Oh yeah, I like that for sure. <laughs> well, there's lots of good little elements like that too, with the plastic on the couch and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. and, and then the plastic on the couch, I couldn't help but think of. Uh, I'm gonna get you, sucker! The entire time I was watching, oh, Jesus. like the plastic on the couch, but. I don't know, you know, I mean, there's there's definitely uh, thematic similarities as far as, uh, what are you doing? Spilled beer all over the place. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say anything, but it's everywhere. Look at that. What'd you do? Do you have a towel? Oh, God, <laughs> no. We'll figure it out. Okay, we'll figure it out in a minute. Anyway, though, you know, the, the oh, and you're, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, come on. Oh, boy. Uh, all right, well, while we figure out this beer spillage mess, uh, we're going to listen to another song by Let's Become Actors. Sorry. Yeah, and then when we come back, uh, before we do our record review, I will do my review of Deathbed. Yeah, we'll talk about our punishment reviews. The bed that eats people. <laughs> we'll be right back. I think that the song we're going to listen to, I don't know what it's called. I'll tell you when we come back from the song. Very right. prepared. Yep, oh yeah, well... I just, now I know I need to bring towels. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, hold on. I have nothing to say. No, he doesn't. I knew the end was coming, but I never thought it'd happen so soon. But I knew we were broken from the moment you entered the room. Up on the horizon, I just kept on telling myself lies, and I never really looked in your eyes. They spelled
Hello, faithful listeners. Let's talk about bad movies for a minute. There's lots of different categories of bad movies. There's the unintentionally bad bad movie, such as the smoldering turds like Eck vs. Sever, Waterworld, Adventures of Pluto Nash. Then there's movies that claim to be bad, parodies like Scary Movie, Date Movie, and Epic Movie. But none have met the misguided epic idiocy of Deathbed, the bed that eats people. Only someone who has never read a book, watched a movie, seen a play, or witnessed how humans interact with one another could have written this movie. (laughs) Within the first 20 20 minutes, we are shown a a haunted castle with a demonic bed that devours anyone who lays on it. The ghost of what appears to be Devander Bernhardt, who's trapped (laughs) behind a painting in the room with the deathbed. Three girls who travel to visit the castle and decide to spend the night there, one of whom the deathbed is scared of, and then her older brother, who has set out in a search for her, worried that she has run away. Add to this a flashback sequence involving eight, yes, count them, eight different stories about the deathbed through history, (laughs) with topics ranging from a girl with a leg brace being eaten to a couple of gangsters using the haunted castle as a hideout and being eaten while playing cards on the bed, to finally a pimp and his morbidly obese prostitute using the deathbed for orgies, which I guess in man-eating bed terms constitutes a buffet. (laughs) At this point, I'd like to mention that the bed eats not just people, but a rose, a gun, a bottle of wine, a bucket of fried chicken, and after an especially nasty ordeal, actually opens and drinks a bottle of Pepto Bismol. <laughs> the majority of the plot development and exposition is given to us in four separate voiceovers. Four by various characters. The main voiceover is provided by the ghost trapped in the room with the bed, whose voiceover consists of him talking to the bed with such insights as. I bet you're planning on eating those helpless girls, aren't you, you monster? If only I could warn them. The bed in turn responds by moaning, laughing, burping, and occasionally snoring. It laughs? Yes. The cast for this movie is an impressive list of no-name celebrity lookalikes. We have a less effeminate David Bowie as the mystical love interest, Robert Downey Jr. in drag, Alanis Morissette in less drag, and finally Chris Rock in drag wearing a denim version of the still suit from Frank Herbert's Dune. In closing, I'd like to simply say that any celebrated director would have his hands full with this turd de force. There are easily 12 different storylines going on here. Each one, on its own merit, wouldn't be worth filming. When they are all put together in the same script, they are simply Deathbed, the bed that eats. Thank you. I have a question. Yes. How are the special effects? (laughs) Not that special. Not that special at all. When the bed eats somebody yellow foam shows up or like starts to kind of like like emit around them and then we get sort of uh the bed cam that's inside of whatever the bed is with either the people or items that it's eating floating down into sort of a pea looking liquid um sometimes you can see the string that's holding like the (laughs) pepto-bismol as it dumps out into it that's so awesome it's a sack of shit was it was it a good punishment movie (laughs) It, 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 I actually have to buy it. Oh yeah, because it was so bad that it was like, 
It wasn't even so bad that it was good. It was so bad that you need to own it just so you can lend it to people. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll probably buy it and never watch it again, but it's one of those ones it's that you got it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, it's one of those ones you got to own as a status symbol to be like, oh, no. You know, next time somebody tells you, like, oh, this movie is so shitty, like, mm-mm. No, mm-mm. here's mm-mm. one that's shittier. <laughs> yep, sorry. This is like, no, that's, you don't even understand. Oh, I don't. That's it, a- is, it is a tapestry of shit. <laughs> It made no sense. It made no fucking sense. Eight different stories. Just Dude, in the four flashbacks. different voiceovers. Four different voiceovers. One of which is the voiceover of a girl who dies within five minutes of showing up. Why does she have a voiceover? Why do we have an internal monologue of what she's talking about? It doesn't make any sense. That was an amazing, thank you, amazing synopsis thank you. of what happened. Well, it was it was pretty fucking bad. Well, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch my movie, Santa with Muscles. Unfortunately, Santa with Muscles, I go to add it to Netflix, and they don't even make it on DVD anymore. No one has ever, no one has made it on DVD. They've made everything on DVD. <laughs> yeah, they've made everything on DVD. It's the only thing I've ever seen that's not been made on dvd i'm sure there's like newer releases and shit like that that haven't come out or just reissues but right but but no one's like they, yeah like when they were talking about like okay dvds have come out we're gonna make all of we're gonna go back catalog and make all of these movies and then you know two years later after they've kind of gone down the <laughs> list like there's some that they're just looking and going no <laughs> no so unless you have a vcr i can borrow or a laser disc player they made it on laser they made disc. it on laser disc <laughs> uh, either one of those i can watch it no but... what is that when does that happen that they made it on laser disc <laughs> And then somewhere in the format change, they're like, nope, 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 no more. (laughs) Like, they fired the guy who, like, said okay to make it on laser. Even though it's probably more efficient and (laughs) less money to make it on DVD. They're like, still, mm, I don't know. Whole Coke has a sandwich. Well, they just stopped the pressing. Like, like, stop the presses. (laughs) No more sandwich muzzles. So the only ones that are out there that you can order are the ones they made when they made the movie. That's it. I, I should look on eBay to see how much they're going for. The I <laughs> want to ask you this, since you weren't able to watch your movie, but I did watch mine. Yes, it's my turn again. Can I give you another one? If you have one. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I am going to make you watch, I believe it was from... Uh, I'm crossing my fingers here. 1989. And it is called Sorority Babes in the Dance-a-thon of Death. <laughs> The dance-a-thon. I watched it the other night. Oh, nice. And... How was it? I don't want to ruin the surprise for you. (laughs) I don't want to ruin it. What is it called again? Sorority Babes (laughs) in the Dance-a-thon of Death. (laughs) And I'll start off... I'll just say one thing to you about it. There are no sorority babes, and there is no dance-a-thon of death. (laughs) The only redeeming thing, just thinking of this, would be the... The boobs that I'm like of sorority babes, but I can't no. wait for you to watch it. Oh man, it makes Deathbed look like Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. All right. So anyway, uh, that that was our punishment review section. Uh, we're now going to talk about uh, the new uh, Let's Become Actors uh, record. This is a Salt Lake City band, so we are doing local music, uh, from us, but, you know, if you live outside of Utah and you like them, please, please, uh, go to the website. They have a website, www.letsbecomeactors.com, 
Um, you think that if you did, if you forgot to say the last W, people would be like, "I'm typing it's in W. I'm typing in two W's, like you said, but it's not it's working. Not, it's, I'm not getting if you don't know how to do that now, then you're, you're like, you probably haven't heard any of these podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, um, they sell our CD on CDBaby.com. They also have a MySpace page. Um, which I'm guessing you can access all this stuff from their website. Let's be actors. Uh, let's become actors. dot com. Yes. Um, do you want to? Uh, do you want to start off saying? Do you want to start, or do you want me no, to? No, go. Do you... Go for it. Okay. Well, uh, I, I want. I want to say the very first thing I want to say about this record is that you know. It, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna be a broad statement, but I still think that it's true. Uh, this record. Let's Become Actors are doing what a lot of local bands are doing, and I'm not necessarily just talking about Salt Lake City when I say this, because I think that it's across the board, any smaller act bands that I've ever heard their stuff before uh, do this, where they, they want they want to be able to dabble in different genres. Um, so that, you know, and, and it does have its heart in, I hate the term indie rock, but, it, you know, in, in a real uh, a more current kind of independent rock sound. Yeah. But... You know, so many times bands try to do this, and I think there's some pressure. A lot, there, there isn't any pressure from uh, being uh, pigeonholed into a certain genre yet because they're newer, and so they want to be able to move around these different yeah, I uh, think genres. Yeah, the fact that it's the first CD, definitely, yeah, you have the flexibility to do whatever you definitely. want. Definitely, but when it's bad, that's when you get, you know, the 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 genres, they're the, like honky-tonk death metal breakbeats kind oh, of stuff yeah. or like French gangster rap Zydeco Delta Blues core right like you get like the craziest it's like those don't have work together wa- have you been wanting to use that for a while <laughs> no I was just I no but but you know it's one of those kinds of things where it's like and and these guys are able to dabble in different sounds and it all sounds great I mean they are able to completely pull it off and I think it's one of the main reasons why is uh fun confidence like there's there's a sensibility of like we're gonna do this and we're gonna have a lot of fun with it and it's like you know you you have to be you have to be a badass you have to be a badass if you're gonna say hey man this is the part in the song where the fucking trumpet comes in yep you know what i mean like we are gonna like that that's what that's what happens in this part of the song or like you know this part of the song man the backups these are some beach boys backups and we're gonna just fucking do it because it's gonna rule they really mix a lot of genres together they really do and there's there's elements of country i hear in there and there's there's definitely a few country tunes well, and there's well, even the like pedal steel, yeah, and, and there's know. and then there's other songs that have this kind of like doo-wop kind of a sound to it in yeah. places, and this sort of bubblegum pop kind of a thing going on. But you know, it and it all it all works together. It all works together really well, and I think it's because you can tell that they're having fun and that they're really confident about the songs. Yeah, and what the songs are about confident you know? and competent musicians. They know you know what they're doing. And oh, definitely. I think um, you know, I took a. It didn't take them very long to write a lot of songs because, you know, there's probably some backlog there between some of the history of these guys that are amazing songwriters that have had a, had a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff in the past and definitely done their side things and whatever. Um, uh, my favorite song in the whole thing is going to be a, a Beautiful Mess. It's like the third song. Yeah, that's a, that's a great I one. I love man. it. They have the violin on mm-hmm. the chorus. And it's well, and it even, it even sounds like uh, there there's some elements of uh, uh, Dave Chisholm's uh, keyboard work that's that, that has this sort of purposely off-kilter a little bit out of... Uh, not, not necessarily... Like, 
just just discord and notes messing around in there that give it this kind of eerie feel to it and it's got this off kilter kind of rock feel and it's and it, it's great let's I, I love uh that song let's talk about dave chisholm for a second because this okay. is one talented son of a bitch i hate him he's i so hate him talented. too he's like the kid that that you played Mortal Kombat for five years. He's never played it. He comes over to your house to hang out and yeah. you're like, hey, let's play Mortal Kombat. He's never played it. And, and then he kicks there, your ass. Yes. And he kicks your ass. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, wow, thanks, Dave. I hate you. Yeah, we'll see you later. <laughs> no, he, no, he is. He, he's an amazing musician. He plays in the on. He sings. He plays piano. He plays the trumpet. Mm-hmm. And on side of that, he has this incredible comic called Let's Go to Utah. Yeah. So he's an incredible artist on top of that, and yeah. probably a prominent video game player, I would say. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Tell us, Dave. Email us and let us know. Go to hell. Yeah. But, no, but really, I mean, very very, very wonderful. And I actually want to talk about the trumpet for a minute, because there are parts in these in some of these songs, uh, I think I'm uh, probably, uh, I guess it's The Stranger that I'm thinking of, the title track, which, unfortunately, both the title, or the title track, not the, the first track, but, you know, I was hoping that it was going to be Billy Joel's The Stranger, and you guys <laughs> yeah. were covering it, and then it wasn't, but that's okay. And I thought the same thing with Faith, but that's okay, too. Anyway, uh, you know, it, it has a real melancholy feel through so much of it, and then where this trumpet busts in, it go, it's it's like the Rodney Dangerfield party, right? It's like the, <laughs> it's all of a sudden everybody's dancing on cars, and it's like it's a good time kind of a thing. Yeah, there's like, like some trumpet breakdowns. That's great, that man. Great. There are. Yeah. Well, and they, they really seem to take, uh, you know, the, the song and give it that sort of uplifting, redemptive ending to some of these songs. Especially and, in the first song that you played, the I Know I Know song. I mm-hmm. love the, because the, they sing the chorus over and over. At near the yeah. end, and they're all singing it together, and I love the layers there. Well, and then the trumpet comes in, and you're like, yes! Well, and my two favorite songs, the first one is that, I Know, I Know, and, you know, it, it's 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 my favorite, I know I said I know, I know, like five times. You know, it happens. Yeah, but uh, my favorite part about that song is that it almost has this, like, traditional, like, like fiddler on the roof like jewish <laughs> folk song kind of like if i were a rich man kind of a thing like in the way that the chorus is all right no it just does it has this really interesting kind of little like shuffly kind of part like that and then i also have to say that the i think it's the first lyric in the song and the last lyric in the song that wins my award of best spinal tap ish <laughs> lyric of i I know you want to love me, or maybe that you don't. Yeah. It just reminds me of, you know what I want, or maybe you don't. Like Big bottom. Yeah, well, and, well, it's just that, that, that like, I don't know. And I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what, the, what the, the connotation lyrically was, but I, it's a great song. That's, that's uh, my second favorite song is the very last track on it, uh, uh, We Miss the Ocean, which is really interesting, too, because the track right before it, called Somewhere New, would be the perfect last song for a record. It has sort of a it it, it has yeah, this mellow great. kind of downtrodden like it has this really great mellow kind of feel to it and then it sort of ends and then I you know I looked on the on the CD and saw there's another song when we miss the ocean starts it is I don't I don't it's like the epilogue to the entire record I mean it, it, after you've gotten all of these other bits of of, of uh, style and all these different things and by the time it gets to the last three songs. Uh, vampires funeral and somewhere new you know it, it's kind of getting darker and darker and then yeah. it's it kind of melancholy 
and we end, and then we get We Miss the Ocean, and man, I listened to it yesterday, I was driving around in my car, sun was out, like, yeah. it was just, yeah, it was like, ah, oh, summer's on its way, like, it has that kind of redemptive feel to it that was just, it was so great, Well, man. I think, I, as far as the redemptive feel thing goes that you're saying, I think every song has moments in it that make the whole song great, you know? You know, there may be parts Definitely. where you're like, oh, I've heard this before, but then they come in with this this part, uh, you know, like the trumpet or just kind of the, the well, you know, just the chorus. Like, it's very hooky and catchy, and there's parts that are kind of very, you know, sing-along-ish. Yeah, well, and that was that's another thing that really surprised me is like, I mean, these guys are definitely a pop band, but some of the some of the elements in it were really like aggressive and and not and not in a negative way. Like it just was like. It, it was it was still you know very pop fundamental kind of stuff and like you know has a really good feel to it and a lot of it's uh, kind of uh, up tempo fun kind of stuff but even in those songs like they're working for it and you can for you sure. can hear it and I, I I really thought that was great I, I I really had a great time with this record I'm the uh, usually when I hear stuff and and I guess we should maybe reiterate so you can believe our knowledge of music we we both have played in bands we both worked at CD stores and done all the things, so, yeah. you know, I mean, we, we hopefully know what we're talking about. I guess it kind of depends like on, like, the... I hope so. But, uh, but <laughs> one thing I can always do, and, and this comes from working in a music store and hearing everything possible yeah. in the use section, um, is compare one band to three other bands. Right. You know, or something like that, or you're like, these guys remind me of this, or these guys remind me of that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I had a hard time doing it with these guys. I did too. I mean, it, you know, I, I think the very beginning of the very first song on it, I got a real, I got a real feel of, of sort of, uh, you know, Radiohead-ish kind of like, it has that, it, it has that sort of like dark and droney feel to it. And then literally the second half of that song is the opposite of that. Yeah, exactly. And it made me go, Oh, maybe I don't know what they're going to exactly. do. Exactly. Like, like there's there's bands I wrote down. I'm like no, and I crossed it out. And I'm like they, they don't really fit. Like sound like these guys. They they yeah. definitely are their own thing. I mean, I could I could yeah I could I could go on with with bits bits of influence from all over the place that I think I hear, but that may or may not be there. You know, like from the the you know the the roads in places very reminiscent of uh, the mid '70s Springsteen stuff. You know, the mm -hmm. sort of chimey road sounds and then other times i did get like sort of a the billy joel kind of like white guy shuffle for sure you know what i mean like kind of oh, yeah. dancey kind of a thing but but yeah. but that was the cool thing is that they sound it's the record sounds very modern but you can hear these older influences in places and i i, I thought that was really the fact that it's hard to place it makes it great exactly uh, you know and that's because that's hard to do because most people are influenced by something and it's very obvious for this right. is really all over the place so. no it's a great record and i i highly recommend it for, for sure, sure. We, i mean we only review stuff that we recommend so <laughs> it's not like this is our buddy these are our buddies and we're going you gotta buy the record or whatever i mean it isn't you know i don't i i had actually never heard them before and and this is this I is i think really i saw some stuff. of them live a little bit but i you know i hadn't really embraced it since you gave me the record so right all right, well, let's become actors. Yeah, um, it's go to a self-titled record. It uh, has a little guy on a horse on the cover looking off at the sunset. So, yeah, it's a great record. Uh, yeah, you can you can uh, get a hold of them at uh, www.letsbecomeactors.com. Uh, once again, 
Great record, recorded by Andy Patterson. Sounds fucking great. What uh, What's the last song we're going to go out on? I actually would like to listen to We Miss the Ocean. That's okay. the one I'd like to hear. So we're going to do that. When we come back, we'll tell you about what we're going to do next week. All right. Bye.
Okay, uh, next week uh, we have decided to go ahead and do Dark City. Yeah, we're backtracking a little bit, but we both love this movie, so we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, Dark City. It's directed by um, the guy who did The Crow, right? Yeah, I can't remember the dude's name, but it's the guy who did The Crow. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember either. But uh, along with our review of Dark City, we're going to kind of get back to the older format. We're going to do our top fives after that. We're going to do top five Kiefer Sutherland roles. And then we're going to do top five... Top five big fight scenes at the end of the movie that could have been better, because Dark City kind of has one. It's <laughs> not, it's not bad, but it's just could have been better, you know. Yeah, oh, it just could have. I totally agree. And unfortunately, um, we can't do any feedback. No feedback. My my internet's down. Sorry, so, uh, yeah. we we did have one response. One. One. Taylor. Yeah. And he talked about his. Uh, about his movies he couldn't watch as a kid. We'll go ahead and actually do that next week. We'll do it next week. So uh, maybe we'll have more uh, uh, letters then. I don't know. Emails. Letters? What am I? Me? I keep checking my mailbox. <laughs> There's no letters in here. 75. Where's my clicker? <laughs> How do you work the World Wide Web? Anyway. uh well, it was just worldwide. <laughs> How do you, what, it's world. It's just worldwide. WW. I know. I got the joke. All right. I hope you did. Say goodbye, Adam. Goodbye, Adam.